We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the Brocast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you back to another exciting podcast. Uh, it's exciting for me. I don't know if it's exciting for you guys. You're obviously tuning in for a reason, but regardless of that, uh, we're trying to grow this more and more beyond the actual breakfast presentations that we have uh, with our speakers. And so uh, as we have these opportunities, as we have some of these gaps between the recaps that we do, as well as uh, the actual speakers, we want to kind of fill in a little bit more of the community of brotherhood. And I think when we are talking about brotherhood, we talk a lot about, or it's kind of interwoven, uh, the idea of mountain men. And I think that sometimes people, uh, if you're on the inside of mountain men, you know exactly what we're talking about. And if you have no idea what mountain men is, uh, you, you know, this thing exists and you're just like, I, I don't know what it is. I feel like I need to do it, but I, I don't have enough information to really understand what this is in relation to brotherhood. So today I have the Church on the Move, Tulsa campus pastor, Lee Martin. If you uh, if that name sounds familiar, he actually spoke back uh, in September of 2020, and uh, he was actually the first speaker that we had for our recap. So uh, we were able to dig in a little bit deeper to some of the things uh, that he spoke about. But Lee, welcome. Thank you so much for taking some time. Say hello. Hello Thank you to the brotherhood. And if you can fill in maybe some of the gaps of, of who you are and what you do for guys who don't know. Man, I would love to. So thankful to finally do this. I've been wanting to do it for a little while, Evan. And so thanks for finally working with my schedule and getting us to do it. Um, yeah, I serve as the campus pastor for our Tulsa location. Church on the Move has uh, really four different locations. And I get to I get to kind of be the pastor shepherd of our Tulsa location. Obviously, Witt, Pastor Witt, our lead pastor, he preaches primarily here. I get to preach every now and then. But uh, my role is with the, with the staff team here, as well as with our people, just uh, knowing our people. And, you know, pastoral care has a lot of different faces. And it's not something in a church our size that, that just Witt or just Witt and Heather can do on their own. And so I get to kind of use some of the gifts that God's given me over over the years to to care for for our people but you know the main reason that I ended up at church on the move is because of mountain men Evan I mm. I wasn't looking to get back into ministry um, some of you maybe heard my story but I was in ministry for a long time ended up bombing out of ministry for a moral failure and spent about seven years in the in the marketplace and uh, really wasn't I mean God had done some incredible things in my life and in my marriage but um, I wasn't really planning on getting back into ministry. Just felt like that part of my life was gone. And, and during that season of being out of ministry and in the marketplace is when Mountain Men kind of began. And uh, I, I, we, we weren't setting out to build a, a men's ministry. That wasn't our goal at all. It, Mountain Men has an incredible story that I can get into a little bit more later. But um, the reason that I got hired to be a pastor at Church on the Move is because of my connections to men as well as staff at Church on the Move. And so uh, the you're right, these two things, Church on the Move and Mountain Men have been kind of uh, entangled in, in the most beautiful way fr from the beginning. Um, yeah, so that that's, so between being a husband and a dad and being the campus pastor at an incredible church and being the co-founder of Mountain Men, that the, that is my life right there. And it keeps me very, very busy. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Well, I'm glad that you brought up the connection to men part, because I feel like that is the 
kind of the goal of brotherhood. I, I think that if you yeah. kind of step back and look at maybe some of the history of just um, the last <laughs> 10 years, I feel like there's almost been a void that's been uh, mm. intentionally or unintentionally created when it comes to male leadership. It's almost like mm. it's a, it's a bad thing to be a male yeah. and not, right. not from a biblical standpoint, but from a cultural right. standpoint. Right. And so I think that the, as that need has grown, that's why brotherhood and mountain men have mm -hmm. kind of gained some of that traction because I think there's a void in our hearts. Um, and I think part of it is uh, I'm going to say the word identity. I think our mm -hmm. identity uh, in Christ and our identity and who we are is shaped through uh, being a reflection of God and trying to emulate uh, Christ. And yeah. so when we have this vacuum of where we're not fulfilling that purpose, like there's a restlessness that we have or a mm -hmm. hunger that we have. And so yep. I think that's why guys, especially from a brotherhood's perspective, are being drawn in to this mm -hmm. idea of brotherhood and this community that we're building. And I yeah. think that for, like if I were to describe mountain men, it's almost an identity journey saying, you know, God, I want to be more like Christ. I want to align myself with you, but I'm going to seek you in that process. And it's almost a symbolic journey towards that. So if you can uh, tell a little bit about why mountain men started and what it really is, yeah. because again, there, I know that there's a lot of guys that have been but in, in a room the size that we have and with the amount of people that we have, uh, mm -hmm. I don't believe every single person has had an opportunity to have a real experience with mountain men. Right. And there and there's often a lot of mystery and confusion around mountain men. I, I can speak to that a little bit today, uh, yeah. maybe clear some things up for people. But to, to go back to the genesis of mountain men, it's kind of hard uh, to know where it really started. I, I think you could make an argument that it started in with my friendship with Brian Job, another pastor here and a and a in very engaged member of our brotherhood uh, community. Um, Brian and I became friends when we were in the sixth grade. And when we mm -hmm. were freshmen in high school, we started uh, going with our youth pastor to backpack in the mountains of Colorado and something that neither of us had ever done, but we fell in love with it. It became such a hobby that we both enjoyed so much that we continued to do it through high school. And then just the two of us continued to do it through uh, college. And then even after we got married, I was living up in Nebraska. Brian was in Oklahoma City area at the time. We would still meet up in the summers and go climb some mountain in Colorado. It was just, it was, it was something we enjoyed doing as well as it had always had a spiritual emphasis because our youth pastor was the one that took us. And, right. and when, when he would take us, it was a leadership thing and also like a, a get away from the distractions of life and encounter God. And so that was kind of in our hearts. Well, I went through a really tough season in my life, almost lost my family, lost my, my ministry, lost my reputation. And as I was kind of coming out of that, we were still going to the mountains as we had done and, and we're enjoying that. But one year in particular, I was I was at a just a real breaking point in my life. And um, I I had a, a turning point, a breakthrough on a mountain mm -hmm. called Creststone Peak in South Central Colorado. And it really was I, I would say it was probably the defining moment of my life. Um, and it was, it was when I decided whether I was going to trust God to restore me and resurrect me, uh, from a really tough season or not. And out of that, 
a real major turning point in my life. We came back that year and uh, we started talking about all the ways that the mountains had been a place where we had found freedom, a place where we had had breakthroughs with God, a, a place where we felt like we could hear from God and take ground. But it's also this environment where the best of our masculinity comes out as well. You know, you're kind of on your own <laughs> and everything that you need is on your own back. You can't just make a phone call and get a pizza delivered or have an ambulance show up within five minutes. Like there's this wildness to it, this adventure to it that kind of brought out the best in our masculinity. Because, I mean, I was a pastor and Brian was a, a executive with an oil company. Our lives were spent behind desks, you know, in the car, in office buildings, meeting with people. And something about getting out there in the wild with God was was had always been meaningful. Well, there was another guy, his name is Stephen Posey. And Stephen Posey, most of the brotherhood yep. knows him. He just spoke at our last breakfast. Um, and Stephen was going through a tough season in his life. And we just decided that year, hey, let's just see if Stephen wants to go with us um, next next summer. Let's just invite him. Maybe it'll be something really helpful for him. And there's a long story to that, how we almost didn't ask him because a couple of our other friends that we've been <laughs> friends with since we were kids, they were like, I don't know if we want to invite some new guy that we don't know into kind of our <laughs> little thing that we do every summer. But but the Holy Spirit was involved in that. And we invited Stephen. And I, I wish I could unpack the whole story, but Stephen had a, a life-changing experience. He, very similar to what I had had the, the year before, he had a major breakthrough that led him toward reconciliation, toward resurrection in his own life. And after that, we were like, okay, there's something here. And again, we didn't say, let's build a men's ministry. That was not what was on our heart. We just said, maybe we should make room to invite a couple more guys. And so the next summer, we invited a couple more guys. And I think there were like seven of us that went. And then the next summer, uh, th those guys came back. They had an amazing experience. And they said, man, I've got a, I've got a friend that I think would really get a lot out of this. I've got a brother-in-law who I, has got to be on a trip like this. The way it impacted me, I think it would impact him. And so we were like, okay, we'll make room. So the next year we had like nine, nine guys. The next year we had to do two trips. And mm. it was all word of mouth. And before long, maybe three, four years into it, we were like, there's something here. And we weren't even calling it mountain men. We, we just, we weren't calling it anything. And um, right. we were just splitting the cost, like whatever the cost of the trip was at the end of the trip, we would just all split it. And um, a guy named Gary Hornstein, who'd, who'd been on staff here at Church on the Move, and he, he moved to Colorado for a while. He's just recently moved back. He's going to be back on a mountain trip this year. We had a text thread going on. And it was right when the update on the iPhone came out where you could name a text thread. And he named it <laughs> Mountain Men. And it just stuck. Like we that's how Mountain Men became Mountain Men. And so, you know, that was about six we you know, Stephen went on a trip about 10 years ago with us. And uh, about about five or about six or seven years ago, that name kind of got attached to it. And we've just kind of kept going. And so this year I think we'll take close to 150 men on 15 different trips. Um, one of those is a big father-son trip. Uh, what are we doing when we go out there? Well, over the course of time, we've we've kind of narrowed it down to just a handful of principles that make mountain men mountain men. And one is Matthew 7, 7 and 8. You don't have to be in crisis like I was or like Stephen was to, to get a lot out of a mountain men trip. What you have to be is hungry for more God in your life. That is mm. the one primary requirement of mountain men is, is a man, whether he's a brand new believer 
or whether he's a pastor and he's been leading a church for 30 years, is he hungry for more God in his life, whether that's in his marriage, whether it's in his career, whether it's in his personal inner life? And so we use Matthew 7, 7 and 8 as kind of that litmus. And it just simply says this. It says, ask, and this is Jesus talking, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For whoever asks, receives. And whoever seeks will find. And whoever knocks, the door shall be opened. Well, we just decided early on, do we believe that Jesus meant what he said in that verse? If we do, then if we'll go to the mountain, if we'll engage in the process, asking, seeking, and knocking, we will not come back dissatisfied. We will not come back empty-handed. And honestly, Evan, I would say a very high percentage, there, there are always a few exceptions, but a very high 90 plus percentage of guys that go on mountain trips go, I, I came back with something. Or sometimes it's, I left something on the mountain. I forgave my dad for what happened when I was a kid. I I, I forgave myself for my first failed marriage or whatever it is. Um, guys either leave something there or, or, or take ground, bring something back. And uh, it, it, it's incredible. I, I could talk more about the process if you'd like me to, but, but uh, that's kind of how mountain men happened. And, and this is what I love about it, Evan. And that is, I, I, my dad was a pastor. I was a pastor for many years. I had that seven year hiatus that I wasn't. And then I've been a pastor again at Church on the Move for right at four years. So I know ministry. That's my main area of expertise. I've never done anything in the church that felt as meaningful to me as mountain men for this reason. It's been all God. We, we had no vision statement. We had no strategy. We, we just said yes the next year to taking more guys. Mm. And so that sometimes meant we got to get more gear and we got to, we got to raise up some leaders. I mean, there were things we had to do that were wise, but all we were doing was saying, okay, God, we'll say yes to making room for more guys. And then he was doing these amazing things. Guys were coming back, quitting their jobs and going into ministry. Guys were coming back and reconciling with their wife that they had been separated with for six months. Guys were coming back and beginning a brand new relationship with their kids. And we were just going, we didn't plan that. We didn't orchestrate that. We don't have a curriculum that leads you to that place. We just set the environment to go asking, seeking, and knocking and allow guys to have a real encounter with God. And so there's no pressure on me. There's no pressure on Brian to make it happen for guys. It, it's what God is doing. And man, that has been so rewarding, not as the leader, but just as a part of this of this brotherhood, um, to just watch God do what God only God can do. I, I, I could ramble on, Evan, but you probably have some <laughs> other. You probably have some other questions for me. Well, I, I want to develop that a little bit because I think that uh, you know one of the things you said in the beginning was trusting God, and to me, that a lot of that has to do with surrender. And I mm -hmm. think that, like, if you go back to what Stephen talked about in the last breakfast, he talked about yep. kind of at the end where it was. It was not God's will. It wasn't Jesus's will to go to the cross. Like he didn't, he mm -hmm. didn't necessarily want to do it, especially when he took on human form, but he surrendered himself to the process. He surrendered himself mm -hmm. because God had modeled that for him all yep. the way throughout. And I think that when I think about guys specifically, and I'm going to talk about my, myself specifically, because I'm sure not everybody deals with, you know, some of the challenges that I deal with. 
but surrender is one of the most difficult things for me to do. I like to be in control. Yeah. And as, as a, as a man, I like to have all the answers. I like to be the reason mm -hmm. for my success. I like to, I think maybe some pride is interwoven into that. I, I, I yep. think it's very unnatural for me to surrender. And yet Christ has modeled mm -hmm. surrender from the very beginning of just giving up uh, our selfish desires, our will and surrendering it to his, not my will, but yours be done. And I think that the reason yeah. that a mountain men trip has some of the uh, results that it does and it has some of the momentum that it does is that it puts you in a place of surrender. I'm intentionally seeking yeah. God. I'm surrendering my own desires to something. When I went on my trip and I told you this, and it's, it's not the, not the best way to say it, but I intentionally went on a mountain men trip because I didn't want to go on a mountain men trip. And it was, I, yeah. I like yeah. staying in a nice hotel. I like a hot tub, uh, mm -hmm. you know, after a, a hard workout and, you know, going on a trip like that, I was doing something for God instead of for myself. I was surrendering yes. my individual desires wow. for that. And I think that when yeah. you go on a trip like this, a surrender is a big part of it because you're intentionally seeking God and you're saying, God, what do you have for me? What is your plan for me? I'm going with a purpose. Like you said, I'm either going to take some ground or I'm going to leave something there. I'm going to let go of this selfish thing that I want and I'm going to surrender it to yeah. you. And I think that that is a, uh, for a guy's a very unnatural thing. But I think when we tune into it and you ultimately do trust God, which I think is yeah. for me, again, one of the most difficult things for me to do is say, mm -hmm. God, you take this because I want to fix it. I, I, I feel like I, I can figure it out. I'm like, God, I yeah. think you wired me to fix this. So let me do it. And he's sitting there going, no, I wired you for something else. And I want you to, yeah. I want to show you that. But I think that there's another part to a mountain men journey. And I think it's, uh, exploring the reality of God's creation and the value mm -hmm. of being disconnected from your life. I think you mm -hmm. ultimately surrender in some capacity because you don't have full control. But I think right. when you disconnect from what you think is your world and recognize that you're a very small mm -hmm. part of, mm -hmm. of the center of the universe, that that's where you start to see maybe the majesty of God and the power of God. Yes. Yes. Uh, there's so many layers to that that are so rich, Evan. And uh, it, you, it, most of the guys that are watching this know Johnny Hampton because he's yeah. really the leader of Brotherhood at our campus. He said the exact same thing that you said, Evan. He was like, he resisted my invitation to come on a mountain man trip multiple times because he's like, I'm a hotel guy. I don't want to mm -hmm. sleep in a tent. I don't want to sleep on the ground. And when he finally said yes, he said, I realize that that's the reason I need to go yeah. is because I don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't like to surrender. I don't like to not be in control. You know, the reality of the of the genesis of Mountain Men is I spent a great deal of my life in control, arrogant, feeling like God was lucky to have me on his team because I was a I was a good pastor and I was a good leader. And it took and I and I I'm I'm glad that it doesn't take everybody this, but for this arrogant, prideful guy it took kind of being completely emptied out of myself to get to that place of surrender. So what mountain men does is you don't have to almost lose your marriage. You don't have to be in major crisis. You don't have to have some major failure. What mountain men tries to do is exactly what you said. It takes you outside of your comfort zone. It puts you in an environment where quickly you realize 
I'm small here. If this giant rock shifts, it could crush me. <laughs> now we don't go to we don't go to dangerous places where people are going to get killed. But but there is this sense of the mountain is big, and I'm small. The weather is unpredictable, and I can't control it. I'm not at a fingertip away from any creature comfort that I need. I'm really depending on trusting God and these brothers that are around me. It, it, it forces you out into a place that we're not used to. John Eldridge is my favorite author. And he said a while back, something that really was powerful. He said, most of modern men, uh, everything we do, what we see, what we touch and what we come in contact with is man-made. Now I know there may be some guys here that are, that work construction or work landscaping. You may be a little different, but for most of us, we're in an office or we're, we're in a car where everything we're around is things that men created. When we put ourselves out there, except for that big pack that's on our back, <laughs> ev everything is God created. The smells, the, the tactile touch, that this is his domain and we're in it. It's a reminder that that's always true. We're always in his domain. We just pridefulness we we convince ourselves that we're the we're the king we're on the throne of our life and so a big part of mountain men is exactly what you said it's it's putting the phone down it's putting the computer down even to a certain extent it's taking a few days away from our wife and our children they're not bad that that's not the point but the distraction of all of our many responsibilities that we have that things that people are counting on us to take care of and to push ourselves out into an environment where we're counting on God in a big way. I mean, the reality is, even if we don't face danger while we're out there through weather or, or fatigue or whatever, we're, we're depending on God to get to the summit. Because if the weather changes, we, <laughs> yeah. we don't make the summit. The thing that we yeah. worked for all that time is gone. So we're just saying, God, we're in your hands. We want what you have for us. And uh, that's not a process that starts the night before we leave. That's a process that starts in February and we don't climb until mid late summer. And so it's this process with other men, that surrender element that you're talking about is a very personal thing between us and God, but the other guys around us are pursuing that same thing. So I often say mountain men is a, it's a very personal journey with God that's done in a, a fraternity. It's done mm -hmm. in a, in a group of brothers. And, and here's the beautiful thing. The more I lean in with those brothers, the more I connect with them in an authentic way, not a, not a posturing way that I'm the alpha of the group or anything like that. No, just like really genuine, real relationships, getting real as men, it enhances that individual encounter with God. It makes it better. And the more I focus on that asking and seeking and knocking, that personal thing I'm doing with God, the more it enhances the deep connections that I'm having with these brothers. And that's just like God to, to, to give us a win-win for each other. I'm building real relationships, but through the building of real relationships, I'm getting to know God better, getting to know myself better and vice versa. And so there is this surrender element. There is this removal of distraction and discomfort yeah. element to it, which, yeah, some of us are, I don't like to be uncomfortable, but it's often where God does some of his best work. And then there's this brotherhood element. And, and here's what I think, Evan, and I know you'd agree with this. In the same way that most men are struggling with areas of, of pride, I mean, that's that's an area that most men struggle with. It's just kind of a hang up for us. A lot like lust for most men. Lust is a thing that we wrestle with. Pride's right there. And 
I think the other thing that most men struggle with is having genuinely authentic relationships with other men. And I think it's one of the things we need the most. Mountain Men's not about laying on the couch and, and talking about your deepest, darkest secrets, but it is about being real and being vulnerable in the pursuit of God's best for my life, God's best for my family. It's it's not about posturing. It's not about pretending. It's not about only you know showing men the strength that we have and hiding the weakness. It's about saying, this is who I am, and I'm determined to get better with you guys. And that is what happens when, when people fully engage in the process. They, they get real and they get better. They get stronger. They come back better. Andy Stanley said this. He's a pastor out in Atlanta years ago, and it stuck with me. He said, he said, my goal is that the people who know me best would love and respect me most. Now, here's what we can fall into as men. We can make all the people that are a little further away from us think we are studs. We're athletic studs. We're business guys. We're, we're impressive people. But what, do your, what does your wife think? What do your kids think? I want to live my life in such a way that the people that know me best would respect me and love me the most. And I think Mountain Men attempts to do that. We often say, if, if you come back from a Mountain Men trip and the people most impacted aren't your wife and your kids, then we did something wrong. Your wife and your kids should be the ones that go, what happened to you? You're different, <laughs> dad. You're different, honey. You're, you're leading us in a different way. Your priorities have changed. That's, that's what we want for men. I don't even know if I'm just rambling. I don't know if I answered your question or not, Evan. <laughs> no, you did. And and uh, for me, it's confirmation that we're kind of going down the right path here because a lot of the things that you're, you're saying are things that I want to make sure that we further develop because I think those are some of the things that maybe aren't explained or, or people don't have like the, the actual uh, understanding of it until after a mountain mentorship. Yeah. And so one yeah. of the reasons I want to talk about this is just from a universal standpoint, uh, not every single person is going to be able to go on a mountain mentorship. But I think the things right. that we're talking about on a mountain mentorship uh, are things that even if you don't have a mountaintop experience, even if you don't go on that journey specifically with mountain men, mm -hmm. that these are some aspirational things from a community standpoint that we can walk towards. And I think discipleship mm -hmm. is probably the best way to describe that. You, you hit on a lot yeah. of stuff. So I want to make sure that I try to weave some of these things together because I think that I think there's more there. One of the things yeah. that I really wanted to talk about is the authentic relationships that you talked about. And uh, mm -hmm. from my own personal experience, I won't go too deep, but I could see in the beginning of our mountain men uh, group that there was a lot of walls up and there was a lot mm -hmm. of guys. There was like, that was, so that was the default, right? So here's our starting point. Mm -hmm. And then all the way to the end of the trip there, I got had a whole different picture of many of the different guys that were on my group. And it took for some of them the entire trip to get to yeah. the authentic part. And some of them, it was, they actually were trying to still hide the authentic part, but it just came out mm -hmm. because there's only so long that you can kind of keep up the facade. You can only keep up That's so that, true. that persona that people see. Mm -hmm. And I think that as mm -hmm. you go through a journey, you see people at their best you see them at their worst. You see them when they're frustrated. You see them when they're when they have a huge uh, breakthrough, and that's where you mm -hmm. see the true authentic uh, authenticity, authentication. I can't think of the word. You know what I mean. Uh, that's when you see. <laughs> sure. 
that's when you really see that part of it. And I think that guys fight that they don't want you to see the struggle. They don't. And I don't know if it's a cultural thing or whatever else, but ultimately when we can get to that point, I think it's a lot easier for us to trust God and a lot easier for us to surrender when we're not trying to be something that we're not. You talked about it uh, back in September about, you know, you were designed to be a king. You, it's mm-hmm. dangerous for you to try to be something that you're not, something that God right. uh, didn't create you to be. And I think that by going through that authentic process of identifying really who you are and allowing people to see that, there is some freedom that when people do see the true you, that mm-hmm. they don't run. Well, first of all, they can't really run from you because you guys are stuck on a mountain at that point. But That's right. I, I think it takes some of the I think it takes some of the fear out of it because you're like, okay, these guys accept me for really who I am, or yeah, uh, these guys are uh, going in a direction that I want to go. I'm not there yet, mm-hmm. and so I'm able to see uh, almost a tutorial of where somebody was and and how they're getting there. And if I can model mm-hmm. those steps, I can be Christ to somebody else. They can see Christ through me and I can see it through other people. Then I'm getting that much closer to what God created me to be. One of the things yeah. that I, I really wanted to talk about is specifically a, a question for you is that you're in a position, you're in a unique position because uh, you started uh, doing these mountain men trips. And for a lot of guys, when they do a trip, uh, they've, this is a, a first time experience for them, but you're mm-hmm. kind of on the other side. You're actually able to walk a lot of people through this journey. You, you've kind of seen the full spectrum of it. And mm-hmm. what I would really want to know is what has God revealed to you through other people's journeys by mm-hmm. going on mountain men trips? Man, so much. I'll try to keep this brief, but there's a, there's a handful of really meaningful parts of a mountain men trip to me these days. I still love being in the mountains. And Brian and I often say at our at our kickoff meeting in February, we're going to go whether nobody goes with us or not. You know, we're thankful to have 150 guys going, but we'd be going anyway because we see the value and we always have. But uh, I've been on the top of those summits many times, double digits on a couple of them. And uh, I still enjoy it. But what I really enjoy these days is getting to a couple different things, getting to see uh, another man discover things that I discovered in the past and almost getting to enjoy that with that person. Like I'm living it again for the first Mm -hmm. time. I remember Chris Munch. He's, he's on staff here. One of our creative guys at church on the move. And uh, just a lot of guys that are watching this would know Chris. I remember on his first trip, maybe four or five years ago, uh, we came, we were on the trail headed up to the base camp and we came up over a ridge. And that's kind of the first place where you can really see Crestone Needle and Humboldt. And, and it just, it opens up a little bit just right at the tree line. And I just remember him just kind of stopping with his mouth open. He had never been on a mountain like that before. And I remember I was with him and I just remember the joy. He and I, he and I talk about this a lot. I remember <laughs> the joy that I felt because I remembered the first time that I had crested that, that ridge. Yeah. And, and, and there's a spiritual reality to that. And, and it is that um, there is great joy early in our lives, or at least early in our walk with Jesus, because that can be any time where we're discovering things. We're seeing God for who he really is and seeing ourselves for who we really are in light of that. And that's powerful. It's, it's breakthrough kind of powerful, but 
um, then then you kind of get to transition into this into this uh, season when you're able to help others. Jesus gave us this commission at the very end of his life, and he said, uh, the, "The great it's called the Great Commission." And he said, "All authority has been given to me. Now go." and make disciples. And so there's this joy in not just becoming a disciple, not just the, the personal experience of mountain men or, or, or any discipleship endeavor, but this added joy of getting to help others discover their purpose, getting to help others discover what Christ has for them. And so that's a big part of it for me. I sit around the campfire at night and I hear guys talking about what they heard from God on the mountain. And often there's a similarity to that, to the things that I've heard from God over the course of time on the mountain. And it's just a reminder that God is saying, I'm a father. I'm leading you and I'm leading your brothers here closer to me toward what I call capital L life. It's not just being alive, but it's living out eternal life now. Jesus didn't just say, I came to give you eternal life someday after you die. Eternal life really in the original language there meant life that can't be taken away. And when I see guys stepping more and more into the life, the capital L life that can't be taken away, it not only reminds me of the amazing places that God has brought me in my life, but it reminds me that God still has more for me. <laughs> Like I'm still going to the mountain for me too, not just to help other guys. God has more in store for me and for my relationships and for my children. And, and, and so that's a, that's a, I get a double blessing out of mountain and trips. And I don't mind saying that I benefit more from mountain and trips than anybody else because <laughs> I really do. Cause, cause I get to be in relationship with all these men new men every year that come and they're a part of my family. They're a part of my brotherhood. Even if I don't know them really well, we can see each other in a hallway. We can see each other out in the city. And there's this sense of mountain men brothers, yeah. you know, and, and I, and I love that. And I think that is one of the great benefits of walking with God with other men. Frankly, I would rather be Tom Brady than Tiger Woods. <laughs> and, you know, Tiger Woods gets all the, you know, and that, that shows I'm, I'm dated. That's a couple of old athletes, but you can get all the recognition for winning the Masters or you can win the Super Bowl and you can party in the locker room. You can jump on your teammates' shoulders. You can know that you've suffered together. You've battled together. You've been shoulder to shoulder in the trenches. That is more fun to me than just standing on the mountain by myself and saying, I did it. Yeah. I did it, man. The life was meant to be done together in a brotherhood. And so I, I, again, I, I could ramble on, on, the, on and on <laughs> about this, but what I find is, and, and Mount Men has always been structured this way. The role of the co-leader, Brian and I started being co-leaders at the very beginning because one of us, oh, we're best friends. So it wasn't like he was the leader and I was his assistant or vice versa. We just led together. And so that's the way we lead all of our trips. Like even we're structured to where we have co-leaders and one isn't in charge and one isn't the, the, the lieutenant. It's like they're both in charge. And what we learned early on was that we weren't there to impart wisdom, to give advice. We were there just to say, we want the same thing you want. So let's pursue it together. And we're happy to share some of the things we've learned along the way. But what we discovered was we were learning a ton 
from other guys on trips. They were ministering to us. They were pouring into us because they have the Holy Spirit too. And he was using them to say things to us that were like, man, I needed to hear that. Your experience is helping me. And, and so there's so many different ways that I benefit, uh, even though I've been on how many trips, I don't even know now, 25, 28 mountain men trips, something like that, maybe more, I don't even know. Um, but I'm still gaining because, I, here it is, we are not the primary leader of mountain men. Jesus is the primary leader of mountain men. We want that to be the case. And if he's the primary leader, then he's still teaching me stuff, just like he's teaching the first time guy who's in his 20s. He's still leading me the way he's leading him. And we're just doing that together. And, uh, and so, man, I, I continue to get blessed by mountain men. I'm glad you share that because one of the questions that I always have is, you know, why do guys keep going back to the mountains? It's like, mm. you know, Hey, I went and had this, you know, great interaction or I had this huge breakthrough. And then, uh, you know, a year later they're like, I'm going back. And I'm like, well, Mm-hmm. You got your breakthrough, right? Like all your problems are solved. Everything's good, right? And you're like, no, right. no, no, no. Right. I need, I need that, I need that community. I need, I need that just sense of you know pursuing God together. And I, mm-hmm. I think I want, I, I, I hope that brotherhood can be that in even in between mountain men. Yes. I, I think that's what we want to do, and I think that's why you're so passionate, and I'm so passionate about what brotherhood is. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk a little bit about specifically a mountaintop experience, and that's that's kind of a terminology that uh, you guys have used uh, mm-hmm. kind of throughout mountain men. And I think there's a correlation, and I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, of actually being on a mountaintop and mm-hmm. closeness to God, having that kind of almost that intimacy. Uh, so obviously you have the adrenaline rush of, of making a summit, right? So there's, there's that right. part of it. But I think even in the Bible, there's a lot of things done on mountaintops. And I'm, and I'm mm-hmm. wondering kind of, since you've been on so many mountaintops and you've been able mm-hmm. to not only ex- have your own experiences, but also witness other experiences, what is a mountaintop experience? Like how would you describe a mountaintop experience mm-hmm. and, and why does it have such a symbolic closeness to God. Man, you're right about scripture talking a lot about mountaintop experiences. I mean, from Abraham on the mountaintop with Isaac and God, you know, stays his knife from sacrificing his own son as a test of Abraham's faith to Moses receiving the Ten Commandments on on the mountaintop and God meeting with him. You've got Jesus in the transfiguration where he's on top of the mountain. He meets with God and with Moses and Elijah and, and Peter and John are there going, this is incredible. Let's stay here forever. Um, there, there has been this imagery always of uh, escaping to the mountaintop to encounter God. I think that's for a couple of different reasons that are still very relevant today. One of them is the mountaintop is not an easy place to get to. And the mountains that we go to are in, in particularly, they're particularly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 14,000 plus, plus peaks, uh, 14,000 foot plus peaks, uh, which are the tallest in the lower 48. Um, and so you have to begin a process of getting yourself prepared, getting yourself ready physically. And it's weird how the, that physical preparation, God has tied our physical body to our, to our spiritual life. And that physical preparation also influences the spiritual preparation. So I'm, I'm having to work to get there. It's not going to be easy to get there. Here's another thing. Not very many people go there. Now, you know, lots of people climb mountains in Colorado, but when you think about the, the whole population, it's a tiny percent percentage of people that actually climb to the top of big mountains. And so it's a, in some ways, it's a holy place. It's a rare place that very few people stand. 
Um, it's also a high place, you know, and and for whatever reason in our in our culture as humans, not just the American culture, we think of God being above. And, and there's some imagery of that in scripture that God dwells above us. And so when we physically go somewhere higher, there's something in our psychology that says, um, I've left something down there. I walked away from something down there, kind of the the, the dirty, the, the mire and clay of life, the everyday coming and going, the, the exhaust, the concrete jungle, the, the, the tensions at work, the, the arguments at home. I left all that down there to come up into this rare place where there are very few distractions. And, and I think in doing that, maybe it's something that's happening in us just as much as something that's happening in the physical world on the top or the peak of the mountain, we've walked away from some stuff in us in order to get there. We've left some things behind. And, and it's, it's a kind of a simple thing, but it's a thing that I think most men can relate to, maybe more so than women. And that is, I got to, I got to get the distractions out of the way <laughs> if yeah. I'm really going to hear from God, because my, you know, I'm, I'm easily distracted squirrel, you know, I, I'm, I'm easily distracted. And so, um, I, I'm, I'm doing a physical thing that's really producing a spiritual result in me. And I think that's why you see it in scripture. I think that's why you see even Jesus, the son of God, it says in the new Testament, in the gospels, he regularly got away to a solitary place or to the top of a mountain in order to refill his tanks with the father to listen to the father, to speak to the father, to hear what his, his marching orders were. And it's amazing how Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus left some people unhealed. He left some people um, where, where he didn't have an encounter with them. And this was the reason that he gave, because I listened to the father and he gave me a mission to accomplish. So th that often happened out of his seasons of solitude in the wilderness or mountaintop experiences. And so we're just really following Jesus lead whenever we go to the mountaintop. Here's one more thing about the mountaintop. It provides men and man, I, I think we need these because we don't have enough of these in, in, in our world. It provides us a stake in the ground opportunity. When you climb to the top of a mountain, you remember that and you say, okay, that was the day we, we as people need milestones, stake in the ground moments where, they, where we say, that was the day that I turned a corner. That was the day that I laid something down. That was the day that I took something up. And the mountaintop gives you that um, physical, visual, uh, meaningful moment where you can say, I, I'm not going back. See, that was what was so important about my moment on the mountain was I... I stood up, this was, this has been, gosh, almost a decade ago. I stood up from that spot on the mountain and I said, God, I'm going to, I'm going to turn and I'm going to walk off of this summit. And every step I take is going to be a step out of the wilderness and toward new restoration, toward resurrection. And now a decade later, I can look back on that day. I remember that day. I remember sitting on that summit and turning a corner. And so I think the, the mountaintop experience gives that to you. 
most people don't climb to the top of a 14er and then go, I can't really remember that trip very well. I can't really remember <laughs> what happened. They remember what that was like to, 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 to start a journey in February that culminated in August, standing on the highest point of a significant mountain and being able to see for hundreds of miles in almost every direction. You remember that. And, and so I, I think if we don't have things like that in our life, what we'll do is we'll just go from this week to next week and the next week to next month and next month, the next month, ne- next year, the next, and, and we'll, we'll do our duty and we'll, we'll do, we'll get a little promotion and we'll get a little raise and we'll, we'll try and be a good father and we'll try and take our wife out on a date every now and then. And we'll just incrementally just try to improve every now and then you need a stake in the ground to say, I, I, I'm not going back. I'm going forward. I'm getting off this plateau and I'm taking more ground as a man of God. And and that's where I think that's what I think the mountaintop affords us uh, when we go on these trips is, is a real chance to to turn a corner, make a change, surrender something like you said at the beginning and let God transform us the continual transformation process that just doesn't happen by accident. And so I think that's where the mountaintop becomes pretty valuable. I'm going to make an analogy here, and, and I, I, I hope it, it connects because it makes a ton of sense in my head. Uh, but as you were as you were explaining that, uh, the word that came to my mind was sacred. Mm. It's it's we are we are pursuing a sacred ground. And mm-hmm. if I look up the definition of sacred, it's connecting with God or dedicating to a religious purpose, and so uh, deserving veneration, which. That one I'm I'm not too sure on, but when when I think about a mountaintop, I am going to a sacred place for mm-hmm. a sacred moment, and when I think about God and I think about just uh, you know my walk, I don't know that I always think in terms of holiness, uh, doing something that's you know sacred, yeah, or preparing myself uh, to be blameless. Like Mm. I would call them religious terms, but I think that those are very fitting terms to what we're describing here, because when we're trying to seek God, like uh, I got hung up in lamentations one time, which I think is a horrible place to get stuck. But as I was reading that, um, I sat there and went, I was like, why is this in here? Yeah. Like what's, what's the, what's the purpose of this? And as I kind of got a little bit further and was able to digest it a little bit, what I realized was God is holy. And when you, when you think about a holy God, there is certain things, there's a reverence and there are certain things that you have to do Mm -hmm. to respect that holiness. He cannot be around you when he's as holy as he is. And so there was all these preparations for the priests and and whoever else to, to kind of get closer to God. Yeah. And I don't know that we deal with things like that right now. And I don't know that we even think about like a holy God, like, mm-hmm. like what does it actually mean for, uh, a, for, for the creator of the universe? We think of him as like our, our little pocket buddy, or we think of mm-hmm. him as this, you know, you know, we, we think of the Jesus version of God, which there's a closeness there, but a true mm-hmm. holy God, like we can't even stand in front of him. Right. And so, so we're, we're pursuing this thing. And, and, and I, was, I feel like when we go to a mountaintop, we are pursuing holy ground and we are preparing our hearts and we are preparing ourselves to, to have that meeting with him. And mm-hmm. I think that's why a mountaintop experience happens because 
indirectly you are taking this journey of mm-hmm. of really cleansing your soul and 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 preparing yourself to have a a, a raw conversation with a holy god and yes. i think when you get there i think a lot of times that mountaintop experience happens because you have you have put yourself in a position where you you can I don't know that you're ever truly there, but by the blood of Christ. But when you get to that mountaintop, that becomes holy ground for you. That's that stake yes. in the ground that you're talking about because you're sitting there going, God, I, I am intentionally seeking you. I'm intentionally preparing my heart to have this surrender, this this meaningful moment with you. And from that point on, the, uh, the you have the BMT, which is before mountaintop, and you have your AFT, which is your after mountain time. I'm just making mm-hmm. up acronyms. I but like it. Your AFT experience is so much different because you have put yourself in a position to understand the holiness of God and what it takes to pursue mm-hmm. him. And I think that guys don't like, I'm going to say people in general just don't mm-hmm. think in those terms anymore. They almost want to reject, they, they think in larger terms of the universe and everything else but God. It's, it's because they, mm-hmm. they they feel like, uh, you know, I believe in something more, but I don't want to believe that because, you know, that's, you know, that that's the, for whatever reason they, they want to run from that. But yeah. I think when you, when you, when you surrender that part and say, God, I recognize through all of your creation, through everything that I'm seeing here in front of me, that there's a design to that and that you mm-hmm. created me for a purpose and you put this mountain here for a purpose and I'm going to pursue you in that. Mm-hmm. I think you, you can't walk off that mountaintop unchanged and i think yeah. that that's that's why those mountaintop experiences are so so powerful that's a, an incredibly good illustration and analogy in fact as you were talking i was sitting here thinking that when we're up there and and some mountains are more beautiful than others i know that's true but where we go is a beautiful area and to to your point about the sacred creation around you becomes kind of the cathedral of God. And yeah. it, it, lend, it lends to this sense of transcendence. It, it's that it's that look on Chris's face when he came over that rise and he saw the lake and he saw the mountain and how big it was and how majestic it is. And it was this sense of I'm small, but there's something bigger here than me. And it's God. But But not only that, the God who created all this that makes me feel tiny and insignificant he has placed me above all of this as his prized creation, as his child. And all that, the, the mountain, especially when you go to a really beautiful place like that, it becomes the sanctuary, the cathedral of God's presence. And so you do get that sense of awe, that sense of sacredness that, that says, I'm kind of on holy ground. Like this is all his creation, his handiwork. And it's more impressive than anything I just came from in the city. You know, we, we do some amazing things in the city, but they yeah, don't yeah. quite compare to the beauty of this and how it all, it all works without anybody making it work. You know, it, it there, there is that transcendent quality, not to mention, and I'm not going to go too far on this, but those mountains where we go, they're holy places because we know that God has met in powerful ways with men before us in those right. places. That, that when you stand on the top of those mountains, maybe the guy that invited you on a mountain men trip says, that's where I met with God and did business with God. Or you hear the stories of other men in, in our fraternity, in our brotherhood, and they say, man, my life changed up there. And so you go with an expectation. 
And I think this is this is a lost thing in our churches it, it, among Christians today. And that is, do we really expect to hear from God? Do we really expect that he is going to speak to us and change our direction, change our trajectory? I think we are a skeptical people. It's part of our culture. And we go, I believe in God and, and I know that he cares for me and and, and he's not going to let me completely fall apart. But but do we expect to, to go there and say, I was asking and I heard an answer? And I'm, I'm not getting into whether you hear an audible voice. I'm, t- I'm just talking about through the experience, I know how God is leading me. And when you go expectant, just like you're talking about, Evan, where we're kind of a pr- we're preparing ourselves, we're pursuing something, we're approaching something with reverence. When we go expectant, God, he loves that. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He loves when we're, we're saying, God, we want to hear from you. That, those are the people that he wants to speak to are the ones that want to hear from him. And yeah, uh, yeah that's what we try and do. And, and I think you can, you don't have to go to a mountain. You can go to church on Sunday morning, expect it to hear from God yes. and he'll speak to you. Um, yeah. Gosh, there's so much more on that too. I just, I love, <laughs> I can do this all day, Evan, but I, I know we don't have all day. Yeah. Well, we'll kind of, we'll kind of start to reel it back in a little bit because, uh, um, if if people have listened this long, hopefully they're they're Thank hungry you. to hear yeah. everything that we we have going on here. But that's one of the reasons I like this. You know, I, I listen to podcasts that they can go four hours and it just goes by quickly. Uh, so I'm I'm hopeful that you know you guys have made it this far. W- one of the things that I, I want to talk about a little bit is kind of the post trip. Mm-hmm. So you've gone to the mountain. You've you've alluded to it a little bit. Like you know, the families are are seeing a change. They they see a, a difference. What what are some of the things that you hear kind of after the fact? I know you guys have a, a like kind of a, a a recap, if you will, mm-hmm. of of mountain men trip, a celebration mm-hmm. of everything. But that's where there's a lot of the like like the real world kind of collides with yeah. this mountaintop experience. Uh, what have you seen in that and, and how has that uh, kind of impacted what mountain men is? You know, we're still getting better at that, to be honest, Evan, just to, just to be real for a long time, guys, we got the feedback from guys and they said we were so intentional for six months, seven months with our group meeting every month, training together then we go on the trip and it's, it is a mountaintop experience. Like it's, it's one of, most guys say it's one of the most significant spiritual experiences of their life. And we come back and there's just like this hangover of, wait a second, I want to keep meeting with my team. I want to, I want to stay in that place of intense pursuit. And uh, we didn't do that very well at the, at the, at the beginning. We would just like be like, okay, we'll see you next February. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. we would tell guys, <laughs> be involved in your church, you know, continue to talk to your team. But there was, there was nothing intentional about it. And so a few years ago, we, we tried to kind of adjust that. And there's the personal level as well as the, the mountain men level. The, on the mountain men level, we do have a banquet at the end of the year where we just kind of celebrate what God did. We hear some stories and uh, we just, show gratitude to God for what he's done among us that year. And that's been a good addition. We've also tried to be a little more proactive about pointing guys into, at least at Church on the Move, different men's small groups or men's gatherings. But we have a lot of guys that don't go to Church on the Move too, which is which we love. It's great. Uh, they go to other churches in the city. And uh, man, we, we highly encourage them to get plugged into other groups. Don't, don't waste what God has done in your life through this process. So so that's what we do as a brotherhood. But what we communicate to guys on an individual level is, uh, you know, Pastor Willie George 
I learned this from him a few years ago. I heard him speaking about this in a sermon, and I think it's really true. It stuck with me. He said, the enemy is most concerned about retaking the ground that you've taken with God. Mm-hmm. That I think I probably foolishly thought that when I've taken ground with God, that like, okay, I've got that. Like, I, I, I got it. And, and the enemy's going to kind of try and come around on a side door, or he's going to try and get me in another area where I didn't take this ground. And I think that's not true most of the time. I think most of the time, the very, like, if, if you went to the mountain on a mountain trip saying, I've got to become a better husband, I've, I've been a selfish husband, I have not treated my wife very well, I didn't even maybe know how to treat my wife very well because I didn't have a dad to show me or whatever. If you go saying, I want to love my wife the way Christ loved the church, chances are, as soon as you get back from your mountain men trip, your wife is going to be in a really bad mood. <laughs> chances are the very area where you wanted to take ground, where you committed to, that's where you're going to, you're, you're going to be tested the most because the enemy does not want to give up that ground that he had in your life. And so what we tell guys on an individual level is if you come back and you don't apply what God said to you on the mountain or or apply the principles that you gained through the process and you don't have men to hold you accountable (laughs) to, to those commitments that you made about becoming a better husband, to use this example, chances are you're gonna be right back where you were before you started the process. That's the way the enemy works. And so it's critical and we're, we we kind of keep extending mountain men more and more every year. I, just full disclosure, I'd love to see mountain men be a year-long process at some point if, if we were ever able to do that, where you'd have the pre-trip and then you'd have a post-trip uh, experience as well. We just haven't been able to kind of take that ground yet because we're all doing this on the side as in a volunteer capacity. And so uh, there's still more that we're developing, still more that we're saying yes to God on. But during that winter kind of off season, it's really easy to fall back into the same trap and into the same rut that you were in before you started the process. So what we tell guys is, if you don't apply what you heard God say, there's a danger. If you heard God say you need to do this in your marriage and you come back and go, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't hear clearly, or maybe that's going to be too hard. There's a danger when you know what God is calling you to do and you kind of willfully say, maybe later. There's a danger in that. The other thing is there's a there's got to be some accountability. So if if you have said through the mountain man process, I want to be a better husband. Um, and then you kind of finish your trip and it was an amazing mountaintop experience and you don't come back and have other men in your life who are, who are both holding you specifically accountable to that, but also just, um, men that want the same thing you want. That's where I've loved capital B brotherhood. I mean, we, we, we've called the mountain men fraternity a brotherhood for a long time, but, but the men's ministry of church on the move brotherhood that's on the on the cup there behind <laughs> me, that that has been part of our uh, process, even with Mountain Men. Even though Mountain Men is its own uh, nonprofit, it's it's a very close partner with Church on the Move. And one of the best things for Mountain Men was brotherhood really taking shape because we knew that month in and month out, and sometimes beyond that, sometimes things like this allow men to stay on track with wanting to be the best version of the man that God created them to be. 
And so I think if, if you go on a trip and you have a mountaintop experience and then you just kind of cold turkey it after that, you're going to fail. You're mm-hmm. going to be right back where you were. But if you go on a trip, hear from God, apply what he told you and stay connected to a community of men who also want similar things. They want to be men of God. They want to be good husbands. They want to be good fathers. It, it vastly increases the chances of you being successful and moving forward. And so that, that's kind of what we communicate after every trip is don't stop here. Keep, keep going. Hopefully we've done a good job communicating what brother, what not, not what brotherhood is, what mountain men is. Yeah. The next logical step with this is, is if I'm a listener, I'm, I'm sitting there going, this is something that I want to be a part of. This is something that I want to do. Or I think that it's possible that maybe some of the daughters have kind of yeah. snuck onto this podcast and listened and said, you know what? I've been hearing about mountain men for a long time. And I, I want my husband to go to this. I want to start right. steering him, him in this direction or encouraging him to go there. Yeah. The, 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 I think the kind of mystery mm-hmm. of mountain men is, is it's not something that's like, I, I actually tried to find the website. Like I just tried to Google mountain men. It does not exist. Uh, it, it's not something that you can easily find. And so mm-hmm. I, I think there's that mystique to it. Right. And so if you can, uh, spe- specifically this year, Mountain Men is already full. We've already, yes. you guys have already kind of got your trips planned. Everything's going. So this is going to be something for uh, 2022, mm-hmm. which is weird to say. But 2022, if if I'm somebody that says, hey, I really want to go on a trip or I want to start positioning myself, uh, can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the questions that you need to ask yourself to make sure that you're ready? I think we've alluded to that a little bit. And then secondly, uh, how do I, how do I, engage towards uh, figuring out how to go on a trip. Right. Well, I, I love the chance to, to get to talk about this because I think when people hear the explanation as to why mountain men is a little bit mysterious, they'll understand why. Um, we believe that mountain men can be beneficial for any man. We really do. But we also think that timing is incredibly important for that that just because mountain men might be a great experience for you as a man, it might not be the year for you to go on a trip. So here's how it works. We don't have an open application. We don't have an open invitation to mountain men. And that sounds so exclusive. Well, man, the door is locked. How do I get in? But but let me explain it. I'll, I'll tell you how you can get in, but let me explain why we did that from the beginning. Because we wanted to be a group of men who were really serious about these steps that we wanted to take. We weren't just trying to throw open an invitation that would that would attract somebody that would say, man, I would love to climb a 14,000 foot peak. That's cool. Because we felt like that would miscommunicate what mountain men is really about. In fact, one of the things that we say all the time is mountain men, we, we don't go to Colorado to climb a mountain. The mountain is the excuse. We go to Colorado to have an encounter with the maker of the mountains. Mm. And if that's not what you're most hungry for, mountain men is probably not the right step for you. If you want to climb a mountain, because it is fun, don't get me wrong, like climbing mountains is a blast. And if that's kind of what you want to do, there's a lot of other guide services, or you could just, you could go to a a very manageable mountain just by watching some YouTube videos and, you know, be safe and, and go climb a walk up big mountain. It's, it's great. But mountain men is a couple of things. One, it's primarily men who are hungry for more God in their life, like we talked about. But it's also men who are willing to commit to this, 
this brotherhood, this fraternity of men. And so the way Mount Mint has always worked, and we're having to kind of revisit some of this stuff now, but the way it's always worked is the only way you got on a Mount Mint trip is if somebody who had already been on a Mount Mint trip, who knew exactly what this was, identified that you would be somebody who, sh who should be on or would benefit from a Mount Mint trip. And so that was kind of our way since we didn't, we don't have a formal organization. None of us do this full time. In fact, we have no employees with Mountain Men. God is just still doing all this through volunteers. Um, it was a way that we could kind of vet who ended up on trips because we didn't want guys ending up on trips that weren't serious, weren't committed, because we knew that would just take away from the guys that were really serious, who were really committed to what this was. And so it was kind of a the only way you're getting in here is if somebody who knows what this is says that guy, I think he could be one of us. So please don't hear that. Like you've been held out that, that that's not it at all. It's, it's that we're looking for the guys that really are wanting to be a part of this, not just dip their toe in the water, not just go, eh, that sounds like it might be fun. That's not who we were looking for. Because we have some other great things like Brotherhood Breakfast and other things where you can come and you can dip your toe in the water. You can start to experience what this is. But Mountain Men was kind of something different. And so here's what I would say if you're watching this and you're like, I am hungry. I do want that. Here's two steps that you could take. If you know a guy, and now you know too, me and Evan, yeah. if you know a guy that's been on a Mountain Men trip, reach out to that guy. Say, I heard Lee say this on the podcast. You've been on a trip. I want in. He's going to ask you some questions. He's going to have a conversation with you. He's going to tell you what his experience was like. And then he's going to be like, yep, I think this year is your year. I'm getting you on the list. Right. Yeah. But if you don't know anybody, if you don't have a connection uh, with anybody, um, then here's what I would encourage you to do. It's real easy. My email is Lee, L-E-E -E, at mountain.min. So there's no .com or .org. It's mountain.min. That's my personal email. Send me an email and I'm going to get you connected to a mountain men guy. And he's going to ask you those same questions. He's going to get to know you a little bit though. The mountain men brotherhood is the way we vet who needs to be on trips. And I don't think anytime soon we're going to have a website where you go and fill out all your information and, and, and you submit an application. We're still going to keep increasing mountain men based on uh, guys who have been on trips who say, yep, we want you here. So it doesn't mean, if you don't know somebody, it doesn't mean you can't go. It just means we want to get you connected to somebody who can who can talk to you about it, give you the clear expectations of what's involved and how much it costs and all that kind of stuff. And he's going to be your gateway in, into the brotherhood. And, and I, the reason that we're continuing to do that is not because we're trying to be exclusive or hold people out. Mountain Men is not the church. The church is a place where the door is always wide open, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, come in. Mountain men is for people who, men who are hungry for more God in their life, who desire to be better husbands, fathers, and followers of Jesus. Sometimes we're all at least one of those followers of Jesus, but some guys are all three of those things. They want to be better in all three of those areas. If that's you, if what I'm saying, you're like, I got to have that, chances are. You need to be on a mountain men trip in 2022, and we've got a way for you to get connected to that. Yeah, I, I would say this uh, to, to build on all of that, like to almost pre-qualify yourself. Does words like discipline, integrity, humility, and sacrifice connect with you? If so, 
you're probably really ready for a mountain men trip. If you think of of, of discipline as something that's holding you back and preventing you from doing something, uh, you need to, you need to start kind of re-evaluating some of the things that you have going on. Not to say that what you're doing is, is, is wrong or, or it's not, not correct. I would say that specifically from my mountain men journey and going on my trip, like the guys who were vulnerable, the guys who were willing to, to, to put in the work to train physically to go on a mountain mm-hmm. men trip are guys that I, I, that I'm sitting there going, man, like I know as a team, we're going to get there. And on the mm-hmm. opposite side of that, if I see guys who are not willing to do those things, like just from my my perspective, I'm like, man, this is going to be a trip that's so much more difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I want the best for you. I want you to go. I want you to have a mountaintop experience. But I also need to have uh, the, uh, the influence and the relationship with you to say, I don't think you're ready. I think you yeah. need, I think, I think you need to kind of take a step back and, and kind of reevaluate that. And sometimes that's the push that people need and say, you know what, 2022 mm-hmm. is not my year. I need to work towards 2023 or whatever that yes. may be. And I think that that's, that is part of the experience. Um, you know, I was very fortunate that I, I, I made it, I had a, I had a summit top uh, experience. I made it all the way to the top and came all the way down. Not everybody even makes it to the summit uh, on right. a trip. Some people don't even, they don't even, they may go to a mountain men group to get started and may not even make the trip. Uh, that does not make you a failure. That just means that mm-hmm. this is an opportunity for you to kind of do a little bit of self-evaluation and say, okay, uh, there are some specific areas that I now know that I need to work on so that I can get there. It can be physical. It can be spiritual. Yep. It, it can be uh, just relational. There's a, there's a ton mm-hmm. of things that go into this. So uh, what I don't want to do is I don't want to turn people away and think, okay, I'm not good enough to go on this this trip. It, it's, it couldn't be further from that. It's We want to mm-hmm. make sure that you're ready uh, to go on something like this, because we want to make sure that you're safe. We want to make sure that you, you're able to get what you're Mm -hmm. seeking and that you're putting yourself in a position when you reach that holy ground, that sacred place of a mountaintop that you're able to Mm -hmm. experience that in its fullest. Uh, And I, I think that that's why it's almost, I don't know if strict is the right word or uh, exclusive is the right word, but it, it, it mirrors some of that because what we want is we want to put you as close as we possibly can to an opportunity where you can really have that true mountaintop experience, that real Jesus experience that you, you hear about a lot at Church on the Move. Mm-hmm. I think those two things are interwoven uh, when it comes to this. And that's why I think people are drawn to this. I think that's why it's had some of the success that it's had. And that's why it's had some of the life change that it's mm-hmm. had. Lee, I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of give the last word to everybody. Uh, you've You've done a lot in sharing your heart with what Mountain Men is. I want to say a personal thank you to you and Brian for uh, seeing uh, what Mountain Men is, saying yes in a situation Mm -hmm. where it could have been very easy to say, you know, we're just going to keep doing this and we're just going to keep enjoying that. You're sharing, uh, in in some cases, your walk with other people. And that takes a lot of vulnerability and a lot of courage as well, too. Um, But ultimately, to the brotherhood, uh, if you can, kind kind of wrap this up for us. Yeah, I would just say that the same principles that built brotherhood build what we're, I'm sorry, the same principles that built mountain men are what are building brotherhood. And honestly, it's a lot of the same guys, you know, it's, it's a lot of mountain men guys that, that have, that have infused what we have learned together 
into brotherhood, as well as a lot of other great men who've never been on a mountain trip who are just making brotherhood so rich. But I'll just say this from Lee's perspective. And we've talked about these themes a couple of times, but I want to just challenge you if you're if you've made it this far in this podcast, surrender and brotherhood or or having a band of brothers around you, even maybe just one really close brother, mm-hmm. are critical, critical, critical elements to you becoming the man that God created you to be and to experiencing capital L life that he offers. And you don't have to climb a mountain to surrender and surround yourself with men who make you a better man. Uh, In fact, brotherhood is about that. That's why we called it that, because we know that we look first to Jesus and, and that's all we need for salvation. But if we want to thrive in this life, in capital L life, Jesus set it up that we would be surrounded by family and specifically between men, brothers. And so if you haven't done both of those things, then you're limited. If you haven't done the first one, then you're, you're, you're doomed, right? I mean, we're a people who believe that Jesus is our salvation, that uh, we can't fix our lives. We can't forgive our sins. We can't uh, redeem ourselves. We look to Jesus, our leader, our savior, our ultimate brother for that. But maybe you did that, but you're just doing life on your own. You're busy. You got a family. You're just like, I don't have time to, to, to be surrounded by a group of men. I'm telling you, you will never achieve what all that God has for you. You'll never fully live in the capital L life without really healthy, strong, other Christian relationships. And so whether you're going, I want to be a part of mountain men or not. And if you are, that's great. I love it. But maybe you're saying, maybe, maybe you're a little bit older. Maybe you're at a place physically where you just, maybe you, maybe you got some kind of a physical handicap or an injury and you're just like, I I can't physically Mm -hmm. do it. That's okay. (laughs) Surrender and brotherhood are still available to you. And I would just say, don't neglect either of those things. Uh, this podcast is just a way for you to stay connected to a brotherhood and take your next step. Come to a breakfast, get connected into a group. You know, those steps are going to make a difference in your life. Evan, I, I so appreciate having this conversation with you. And I think you, you said it so well there. I don't think I could have said that last part any better than what you did. Just that we, we believe mountain men is, is for any man, but, um, it, it may or may not be your year. In fact, we, um, we applaud guys that after they hear the full extent of what the mountain men commitment is, if they go, man, I've got a big vacation planned with my family in the middle of the year. I, I just started a new job and I know it's going to really demand a lot of my time. I don't know if I should commit to this this year because when I commit to it, I want to really commit to it. We stand up and applaud those guys and say, that's a wise decision. You you are making a mountain men decision whenever you whenever you say that. And and so you're you're right. We're not saying we're the spiritual Navy SEALs and you guys aren't there yet. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> not it at all. That's not it. It's like it's like understanding what it is and then saying, I want to commit to that. If if you're not in a place where you can do that, there's no condemnation right. in that at all. We hope that some at some point you, you are, but but uh, I love the way you said that. Um, 
that was that was really good, man. Evan, thank you so much for for doing this with me and taking the time. And if you're if you're still watching this, congratulations, <laughs> man. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of this. There, we we don't have to take commercial breaks. We don't have to that's right to do anything along those lines. But man, it's this has been great, and hopefully, it's been helpful to guys that are that are curious about so. mountain men. They're curious about like what is that? What is that next step? How do I how do I reach yeah. that closest and that intimacy? Uh, with Christ. Brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the King. We'll catch you on the next podcast. <laughs>